Hello, Chad. Welcome to Slightly Something Else. I've got a little bit of a cold coming on this weekend. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. Always seems to happen when the seasons are changing. Like we, got a lot of, we got a lot of COVID going around. A lot oh, yeah. Year. There's so, another one. Yeah. Turns out COVID's I'm, back. Remember COVID? It's back. Yeah, well, it never really went away, did it? Not, no. No, just the whole family has had like a cold, so it's my turn now. The oh. little baby's noses were running like faucets. Oh. See, I say faucets now instead of taps. That's what America's done for me. Oh, no. It's ruined you. It's absolutely ruined you. Well, welcome to Slightly Something Else, where this week's topic is games that make us feel smart. Because, Hell uh, yeah. spoiler alert, I've got a review of Chance of Zenar coming up this mm-hmm. week. Paired with something else, because, you know, indie games. And uh, it's really become clear to me in recent times that I really appreciate games that have a deductive element. Same. Yeah. That's why I like Shadows of Doubt so much. And, of course, I'm a big fan of Return of the Oprah Did. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Uh, I I love it. Um, I like games as a whole that make me feel clever because I feel like that is uh, in a is clever in emotion. What is clever? Um, like, smug. Smug is an emotion. Smug. Yeah. Well, I I feel like smug is the bad side of the coin. I like games that make me feel clever. Um, because I feel like it's one of the things that games as a medium can do that none of the other games or none of the other mediums can do. You know, hmm. we. Movies, books, TV shows uh, can can elicit feelings of, of terror and, and dread and humor and melancholy, um, but but games feel specifically designed because of the uh, interactivity of them to make us to sort of reward physical and mental achievement. And the physical achievement part, like I'm not whatever, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like I guess I, yeah. beating a boss in in Armored Core makes me feel good, I guess. But solving a fucking puzzle, solving a dungeon solving a, a, a puzzle boss solving you know mm-hmm. getting to the end of obra din and realizing i figured everything out that they that gave me like a feeling that that nothing else makes me feel and, and well I as love is, yeah as is so often the case triple a games have sort of let a quite a few genres sort of die mm-hmm. on the wayside that indie yeah. games are now picking up yeah and, yeah and the 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 straight puzzle game is something you don't really see in the triple a circles anymore puzzles are just like you know like quippy dialogue or mini games mm-hmm. uh just something that gets sprinkled on top of like a huge open world experience and just put in yeah there. yeah it's become a it's in triple a it's a condiment it's not a main course of course in most in a lot of games uh what exactly uh counts as a puzzle has uh is a debate in itself over the years i mean they used to call it a puzzle when you had to press two different buttons to open a door in quake that was a puzzle i guess well they used to say oh you mean like two buttons as in like you have two switches or do you mean two buttons as literally like two keys on your keyboard well you press one button on a wall and it would say one button to go and then you'd press the other button on a wall and it would say sequence complete and they called that a puzzle i think it's i guess legally it's a puzzle that, that that's the legal definition of a puzzle might not be uh the kind of puzzle i want in a game but no quite and they used to call i used to use the term jumping puzzle for like, yeah, like things, platforming yeah platforming throughout half-life where you just have to jump onto very narrow ledges oh. to get to places yeah. but when we talk about puzzle we mean things that actually test the mental acuity mm-hmm. and uh, for me like the the high watermark for that is your detective style game 
where the game has like presents the clues and it's up to you to put them together in a smart way. A lot of uh, games have tried to do the detective thing and not really worked out because it's not really about deducing stuff on your part. Yeah. And a lot of games try to put you in the shoes of a detective of like yeah. a Batman. But yeah. like that's, that's not really having you go through the actual emotions of deduction. No, no, that's a good example. In Batman, all you really do is you use detective vision on a crime scene and look for all the things that go widdly wee and yeah. look at them. And once you look them all at them all, the game says, right, we figured it out. Well done. No need to dwell. Move on. Yeah, so. that, that that whole era of, of AAA open world games, uh, Assassin's Creed had your things of like, whoa, we need to solve this murder. What happened here? We need to follow the trail of blood. Um, and uh, it feels like going through the motions of like, you know, cosplaying as a detective, but not actually doing anything that uh, gives you those sort of feelings of satisfaction. But creating mechanics that allow us to deduce something the way a detective would is uh, a fairly difficult proposition. Oberdin does it really well. Overton does uh, it excellently. Yeah. It will be very difficult to have something like that just as just like an ancillary thing on top of an open world game that does lots of other things. Like we yeah. played Chance, Chance of Zenar, and mm-hmm. I think we both liked the puzzle thing. Uh, I think we both, without wishing to give away too much of my review, yeah. we both agreed that all that the game's attempts to sort of lean into more uh, action-focused gameplay was kind of a misstep. Yep. It. Uh, I think we also said that uh, if if your if your primary thing isn't stealth, your game should not have stealth. Um, yes, I can't think of a single example of a game that had like a token stealth bit where it wasn't an absolute pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the moments uh, where you and I guess to to give a short description, it's a game where you uh, you play as a, a robed traveler who's entered this sort of new kingdom. You don't speak the language of any of the people, and there are sort of different languages based on the kind of caste system. Uh, yeah, you're you're place. in the t- you're in the Tower of Babel. I mean, yeah, I never, yeah, I never call it that, but it obviously is. Yeah. And uh, through context clues, through what people are saying to you, through signage, through um, sort of map layout, through store signs, you have to learn the language of a game and or learn the language of these people. And that helps you communicate with them and solve puzzles that ultimately allow you to move on to the next area. Um, scratched a very similar itch, I would say, as Obra Dinn in terms yeah. of... Uh, and even in the way that the game uh, kept track of information that your your unknowns and your knowns, the variables, how you would solve them, even sort of mm. falling into that rule of threes, which I think part of the yeah. reason Overdin works so well for me is because it doesn't allow you to, it doesn't tell you you're right until you've figured out three things. Yeah, it's a good its, balance, Brad. Because mm-hmm. of course with the game, you have to have like that continual sense that we're uh, doing something right. Uh, a lot of game design is based around <coughs> communicating to the player that they're succeeding and doing something right mm-hmm. over and over again. And if it's something like a puzzle where you don't know if you're right until everything's filled in, uh, Oberdin has a good balance by having that thing where it only does that every time you get three things right. Yeah, and so I- it's enough to where like you can't really like just like brute force your way through it but at the same time you'll never get too far down a rabbit hole and then realize like oh i made a mistake at the beginning and now this entire foundation is wrong and i just wasted a bunch of time well let's be fair you can brute force sometimes but uh you gotta do a little yeah. groundwork before you can brute force like what I, yeah i guess that's true how it works in chances of zen art is that every now and again once you've learned enough uh 
a context once the game has broadcast enough context clues it like opens up a like a puzzle page in your diary mm-hmm. uh, and shows an image representing something and you have to put the correct symbol next to it mm-hmm. and depending on what point in the game you're at there are points when i found i could just sort of brute force that a bit if uh, especially if you know like two sure. of the three of them for sure you could be like yeah. well i only have five different options for this last one so one of them probably yeah, fits. just just swap it in and out until it clicks yeah which yeah is, yeah know, that happened in Oprah Din as well. When I was down to like identifying the four identical Chinese top men, I yeah, just yeah. swapped the names in and out until it clicked, which, which I guess is unavoidable. Yeah, and it doesn't give you that same sense of satisfaction, but at the same time, it's better than just being stuck and the game refusing mm. to go on until you know exactly why you know this. Um, it's a tough balance, because sometimes even the mere act of testing you in Chance of Zenar, it sort of gives the game away. Like mm-hmm. you weren't entirely sure what these words meant, but then the pictures come up and you go, oh. Okay, that's a sun. That They're yeah. clearly talking about celestial objects there as opposed to maybe they're just pointing yeah. up at the sky or talking about God. Yeah. I, w- I would like, I think I would have preferred if maybe they'd eased off that a bit, made the images maybe a bit more abstract. So there was a bit more yeah. deduction involved. Yeah, yeah. When you, uh, like, what was it about Shadows of Doubt earlier this year? Um you know, a rare game that got you to break a rule and, uh, and 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 really critique something in early access. What was it about that game that really stood out to you in terms well, of deduction? I guess for that, it was the aspect of deduction that's just uh, striking off everything that's in, that's wrong until only the correct answer remains. The old uh, Sherlock Holmes quote: "Once you have eliminated the impossible." Whatever yeah. remains, however improbable, must be the truth. And I sort of liked that sort yeah. of systematic, almost post-dad game energy of mm-hmm. going through the possibilities and striking them all off. I mean, I enjoy um, nonograms. Okay. Uh, I, have, I have a nonogram app on my phone, and that's something I like playing with a lot. Because that's, uh, at, in its essence, that's a sort of deduction game where you just eliminate all the possibilities except the correct one. There's yeah, something about that, that I find fun. I perhaps we could, you know, uh, analyze that further. Something about, you know, uh, keeping things in order. The satisfaction one gets from straightening up the bookshelf. Yeah. So why? I I, I get the same thing. Like I feel the exact same way. Why do I feel like both of us then bemoan games that give us like a task list in terms of like busy work in side quests and open world games? Like, because, what's the difference guess, between those two? Because, because, because there's nothing to deduce there. It's just a list. Mm-hmm. I mean, the comparison would be if you had a nonogram where it just uh, highlighted all the squares you had to put in black and and, with the, and there wasn't any actual deductive element. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the busy work feeling as opposed to, like, you are incrementally yeah. getting closer and closer to, you know, achieving your goal or accomplishment. Like a... Uh, on the face of it, like that sort of puzzle should like seem at a glance to be really difficult. Like one of those elimination puzzles where it says uh, uh, there are four people in a line. Uh, you have to figure out what all their names are and uh, the, the, what height they all are. And yeah, they just yeah. give you like a little hint like Bob is shorter than Janet and yeah. Alice is standing on the edge. And if you take that information and like make a little uh, chart and eliminate... Uh-huh. Uh, the what's impossible based on what you know and discover what the actual correct things are then you feel smart yeah yeah and that's uh you know that's sort of i feel like at its 
core, a good puzzle is, and I've been thinking about puzzles a lot with, yeah. uh, you know, Casey and I replaying the Portal games and now doing Portal 2 co-op and then just replaying a bunch of, you know, Zelda and survival horror games that have, have sort of puzzles like that in there. I feel like the, the, the best puzzles are the ones that have a very simple set of rules and uh, you approach a situation where you clearly know what you need to do, but the game says, ah, but there's a twist and it's, mm. In Portal, you're like, well, I know I need to press down on this switch in order to open this door, but the twist is when I get off this switch, the door closes. So you have to figure out, well, what I clearly need to do something to hold this switch down. And, oh, up there is a cube, but I need to get up there and bring the cube down, so how do I get up there? And that sort of evolution and escalation in a puzzle game, to me, is is the snowball effect is what separates the best puzzle games from uh, from sort of the, the, the mediocre or the best puzzles themselves from the mediocre. You know, it's funny. It's like there's two different kinds of puzzle game. Like Portal is one thing and Oberdin is another. Portal yeah. and that sort of puzzle is like, here's all the pieces and you have to figure out in what order to put them. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mm-hmm. It's the it's like the jigsaw. It's the uh, the the sliding tile puzzle. It's yeah. figuring out the correct sequence of things you have to do. Whereas Obra Din and uh, Zenar and my game that I made once, the Consuming Shadow, are uh, elimination puzzles where you, it's just here's all the list of possibilities and you have to like strike off what's wrong until um, the correct one. And all uh, is evident. And the I guess the connecting factor is that it's all about getting to a destination indirectly like rather than just saying this is the one that's correct you just yeah like you see what's correct in the distance and you have to find your way to it i suppose and both of them like ultimately lead to that sort of like aha epiphany which Mm. is like the thing we're looking that's the endorphin rush that we're looking for when we play these puzzle games is like the game kind of or, or us being able to be like, ah, okay, I figured out what you were trying to do here. And mm. um, if a, if a if a puzzle game is well designed, in my opinion, uh, once you have that mental aha, then the physical act of going through it is relatively simple, is easy. Is yeah. once you've wrapped your head around what we need to do in this portal chamber, actually doing it is fairly quick. Once you've wrapped around what happened in this exact scenario in Obra Din, checking it off the list is quick. Um, puzzles, I think, can stumble when you get to that aha moment and then it asks you to be like, all right, now do everything to solve it. And it ends up being a cumbersome thing with too many steps. And you're like, well, Mm. shit, all the goodwill you just gave me from that endorphin rush is thrown out the window now because I have to do a bunch of this, what feels like busy work now. The aha moment is definitely a thing. There's a, yeah. Yeah. It's even like a term. Yeah. It's also, it needs to, you need to then look upon it and be like, I should have been able to solve that quicker. Or like, I understand the work that went into this. Mm. Um, like Casey and I were stuck on a portal Two co-op puzzle for probably 20 minutes, a single puzzle. And there wasn't that much to it, but both of us were just so stuck in thinking 
we needed to do X in order to solve it that we just weren't seeing that like, no, you don't need to do X at all. You just need to do Y. You just need to not think like yeah. this. And that's, that's, so, I mean, that's, I feel like in order to, to kind of be better at these things, you need to almost get out of the way of your own assumptions and ego in a puzzle game. And you need to be like, I shouldn't be thinking like me right now. I should be mm. zooming out and kind of looking at this from a more uh, uh, top down level. I love those deceptively simple style of puzzle. Yeah, like, yeah. And this one, just... the solution was like super easy. It was very quick yeah. once we figured out what we needed to do. If you just like flipped your brain onto a different wavelength, you'd have seen it instantly. Yeah, that's yeah. Not so much, that's not so much the aha moment as the oh. Moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like those but, riddles that, uh, you know, where it sounds complicated, but the answer is deceptively simple. Yeah, yeah. Like, how's um, this? Have you heard this one? Uh, forwards, I am heavy. Backwards, I am not. What am I? Uh, uh, four words. You, I don't know. What is it? A ton. Uh, forwards, I am heavy. But backwards, I am not. Uh, I am literally uh, the word not backwards. Ha <laughs> ha! Your brain was on the. Clever. Had to get your brain on my level. That was that my problem. Out. Is I was thinking of a physical object. I was being like, "Oh, is it like an elephant moving through time?" Uh, see, and that's clever. And then once you tell me, I'm like, "Ah, I should have, I should have known that." You tricked me with that. Um, the the other thing I would have really been liking in Portal Two Co-op specifically is like a lot of the puzzles are just built around uh, communication or a lack thereof, hmm. which don't. It's a different sensation than in you know any of the other games we we mentioned. But you get a similar thing in like. It takes two, where the the two players need to kind of look at a scenario, and they'll do certain things where they'll test your communication skills by having, you know, one of us is looking at this sort of maze head on, and the other one is having to go through the maze, and so the two mm. people are needing like your communication skills are the puzzle. Like the thing itself isn't that difficult, but it's trying to describe sort of <laughs> relatively complex scenarios to the other person you know, using your that's, words when they can't a, see. Yeah, that's a whole other, like, breed of puzzles. We should be making a chart. Yeah, yeah, there was that, uh, I don't know if you ever got a chance to play Keep Talking and uh, no, uh, or Nobody, or Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. I was just thinking of that, yeah. yeah. Sort of, uh, one player is looking at something the other player can't see. Yeah, And yeah. the other player is looking at another thing that the other player can't see, and you have to work together. Yeah, yeah. And that even did, uh, in the game's original incarnation the player who was looking it was a bomb defusal game where yeah. one player is looking at the bomb and the other players have defusal manuals but can't see the bomb yeah and so uh very but low in the original incarnation that. yeah yeah it was literally the original just... one the the bomb diffuser is playing in vr and the other people are literally looking at a physical book that's how the game was like originally pitched well, in and the original, in the original, original game when it was on Steam before it was, they had a VR version. It was literally mm -hmm. just the person with the manual has to like sit not looking at the TV, and Pinky yeah. promised not to peek. <laughs> Very low tech, as I say. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it worked. It was. A, I found it was a fun thing to set up at a party when people yeah. got, when people got bored. One and of those parties where everyone's just sort of floating around and uh, checking in in different places, and they just check in on the on the little bomb defusal game everyone was was playing has anyone, has anyone exploded yet um yeah it feels like, you know there's like a a handful i think of those um of those kind of co-op games where uh 
it works really well. But by and large, I feel like a lot of the ones we're talking about are single player focused. But we've had, you know, a recent string of stuff like the We Were Here series and uh, Escape Academy and stuff like that, where mm. your achievement is is um, a, a communication one, I guess. How do you feel about inventory puzzles in the classic adventure game sense? Because I've, I've like, looked down on them over the years, especially after I sort of went off adventure games as a concept. It's Yeah, it's funny because if we would have had the same conversation 20-some years ago, that would have probably been the main topic of this whole thing, right? Is the inventory yeah. point-and-click adventure, is your, your LucasArts games, your Sierra games. Uh, Which usually, what having... it usually comes down to is you explore everywhere you can go and pick up every item that isn't nailed down and then figure out what keyholes to slot them all into. Sometimes yeah. literally a key yeah. into a keyhole. Sometimes it's like you have to give the troll a fish before he will let you pass uh, the bridge. Yeah, I think I think they can be done well uh, if there is an internal logic behind them. And when you use the thing, you're like, ah, that makes sense. Um, weirdly enough, the the game, I just finished replaying the first Silent Hill, and that has some really good inventory puzzles. That has moments where you'll get an item and it'll be like, a bag of blood and you're like what the fuck do i do with this and then you get to this weird creature later on that is clearly like sort of chomping at this bag of blood and you're like oh maybe if i use the bag of blood i can get it to go somewhere else which will allow me to sneak past it and get the item and that then that works or like i got a, a ring early in the game and then at a certain point you find this door where like the chain is broke on it and the the the, the prompt said something like it's missing a ring of the chain I was like, well, I have a ring in my inventory and I have no idea what the hell to do with it. Maybe I should use it now. And sure enough, it worked. There was there was never a moment where I was like, why the hell does it want me to use? Why does this why should I have assumed that this troll wanted a fish? You know, that's uh Silent Hill 2 has some really weird puzzles in it. It also there's... has puzzle difficulty, right? Like specific, you can like change Well, that doesn't change the inventory puzzles, that just changes the riddles. Like the bits oh. where you have to deduce the like uh, four digit code for a door based on like, oh, a document like how, you find uh, in another room. Oh, so it'll be like more obvious or, or more opaque. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but the inventory puzzles are all kind of dumb. Like there's one where you have to like create a, uh, like a fishing line uh, to uh, extract something from a drain. Mm. And the only items you can use are a, a human hair and <sighs> uh, a hook. And you have yeah. To, combine them to a little fishing line and one might reasonably wonder why you couldn't just get a piece of string from any number of yeah. different places uh, but in actuality uh what they were doing there with that puzzle was using it to sort of enforce the story and like the setting of the game because the human yeah. hair you use is found inside a, a box that's locked with like five different locking mechanisms that you find in the bedroom of a man who was like grief stricken because his daughter had died. Mm, so this is his like keepsake box, mother. Yeah. So you do all put all this work into opening these five locking mechanisms, and then you open it, and then your character goes, "Wait, there's nothing in here. Oh, wait, no, there's a single human hair in this box. Oh, Must be an important you, hair." And then you use it to get something out of a drain, and it's an yeah. interesting case of not making a whole lot of sense as a puzzle, but it does uh, a lot to sort of enforce the tone of the game. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Uh, it's I, I feel like that's very hard to do, is building a puzzle that, mm. that, that 
like you said, enhances whatever the theme or the tone of the moment is supposed to be, because a lot of times a puzzle is just ultimately a roadblock. A lot of the time a puzzle is just, you know, the busy work that's stopping you from just, like, plowing straight through to the next bit of the plot. Especially in survival horror games, because all you're supposed to do is explore the environment, find all the keys, and put them in the slots. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think puzzles can work as a palate cleanser, especially in horror, right? Is yeah. if you were if things were constantly tense and on edge, then that would sort of dull your senses at a certain point. And so, Resident Evil's Spencer Mansion is loaded with really, like, honestly, pretty fucking dumb puzzles. Where it's like, why? Okay, I guess I'll play. Figure out how to play Moonlight Sonata to open this uh, secret door. Yeah, um, rearrange whereas the three I silent- tiles next to the door. Yeah, whereas I thought Silent Hill's puzzles, like, at least in the, uh, I only played the first game, I'll be replaying the second game soon, but I thought the first game's puzzles were, like, most of them were pretty, I was like, okay, like, I get where you're coming, this felt like actual puzzle design, as opposed to, I have no idea why this thing exists, but sure. Mm. I mean, I didn't have any idea why most of the things existed, like, why did this school have a piano I needed to play in order for a thing to pop out of the clock but well it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're trying to make it work in like a real world context sure but you know we're not in the real world we're in survival horror crazy land yeah what a crazy land it is I remember watching the Silent Hill movie they actually tried to have that sort of inventory puzzle as part of the plot god said oh there's a hotel key in this corpse's mouth that must mean we must go to this hotel room for some reason yeah, yeah. Um, that's really silly. The uh, another another kind of puzzle which we touched on a little bit by mentioning Zelda earlier, but um, I feel like bosses, you know, enemies can can be puzzles in their own. And, well, uh, quite. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think you get that through Zelda, and then you get that through a game like Shadow of the Colossus, where I would say every boss is more more a puzzle than like a test yeah. of your ability. It's more a test of your of your thinking. Yeah, I mean the alternative is just reflex challenge when you get down to it yeah just seeing what seeing what the enemy is doing and making the appropriate reaction to uh, not get hurt and that's where i feel like the the difference between the physical achievement and the kind of mental achievement is i feel like a from software boss is a physical achievement like i can mentally know what i need to do and it's can my dumb fingers do it quick enough yeah and then there's Whereas, just a sense of ex- enormous relief once you actually get through it yeah yeah um the uh the the other recent thing i played that uh puzzle wise really impressed me were how in tears of the kingdom certain shrines would make me rethink all of the tools i had going forward like it Mm. wasn't giving me any new abilities oh you forgot to go you forgot you had to go through the ceiling power again didn't you yeah it was it was like almost like a constant reminder of like hey don't forget you can do this i was like ah yeah i can't do that um i got stuck down well once because i completely forgot about that and you're like how the fuck do i climb out of here you're like oh yeah i can i can do this thing um that was a weird power the teleport uh, through the ceiling felt like like a like a dev mode power it, I mean, I legitimately assume it was maybe something in Breath of the Wild that was a dev mode thing, and then in this game they were like, ah, fuck it, let's just see if we can turn it into an actual ability for the player. Um, yeah, I think a puzzle can break down if it's asking you to do something you haven't done in a very long time. Like, I like hmm. the puzzle challenges. Like, I'm even noticing this in clusters of levels in Portal 2, um, where... It and Zelda dungeons feel the same way, where it feels like a uh, like a semester of a course 
that is building towards a final exam. Um, and, but it's never asking you, hey, remember that thing you did like six hours ago? You have to do that again. Hopefully uh, you've been playing the game recently because otherwise you might not even remember that was a thing you could do. Uh, and that always to me, like if I've forgotten about an ability in the game, yeah, it's probably my fault, but also like, that's ah, kind of annoying. I'm thinking of the long jumping in Half-Life again, that you do uh, yeah. in the hazard course and then never again until the very end of the game. Or if you're Casey and I, you don't do the hazard course and then you get to it in the game and we're like, what the fuck do we do here? <laughs> why, why is this a thing? Okay, here's a, here's a weird reference. Did you ever play the Monty Python the Holy Grail CD-ROM game? I did not, no. It was just like one of those CD-ROM things where it was just, you know, click on a thing and a funny voice happens. One of those, mm-hmm. like, multimedia showcase things. Yeah, yeah. But there was a puzzle... Um, it was sort of a joke. At the start of the game, in order to start the game, you had to fill in a registration card, and it was like a spoof registration card, all full of really stupid questions uh, with uh, different uh, multiple-choice answers. And you get into, like, a facetious name or something. And then at the end of the game, at the very end, at the bridge of death scene, instead of, like, asking the questions three, like in the film... Uh, the bridge keeper quizzes you on the facetious answers you gave in the registration at the start of the game. And you had to remember what dumb thing you had typed when it asked you what your name was. I like it. I like it. And it wasn't like a thing they didn't like constantly remind you throughout the game what your name no, was. No, it was just That's like good. we like you assumed it was just like a dumb throwaway gag at the start. But now suddenly we have to remember what we did. Yeah, I love that. Um, I miss those those sort of like weird little interactive museum things i remember having a james bond one like a muppet treasure island a simpsons one there was an era of video games like around when the cd-rom era started Mm -hmm. when it was just like showcases of art and sound you get these like things like do you ever like have in carter the like uh, yeah yeah cd encyclopedia where i love that yeah used to play on at the school computers all the time yeah, and they would have like little trivia games where like you'd have to go through like a wizard's castle and answer a bunch of questions about oh. history and fish and shit. Mind maze, I remember that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the last, um, the last sort of note I jotted down about uh, these were the sort of the the, the knowledge based games, the the Metroid Brainius, mm. if you will, where instead of getting, uh, instead of having your ability be a double jump or the ability to to use missiles to open up doors like all of the answers are there right from the get-go and it is recontextualizing how you see the world around you and you get that in stuff like the witness and outer wilds Mm. and um you know sam barlow's games like like immortality and telling lies where you're not gaining any new ability other than kind of your own your own knowledge when you walk away from a thing you know it's weird but there's sort of an example of that recently that i played and that was bomb rush cyberfunk and one of the things i noted and quite appreciated about that game is that you never unlock abilities you start out with the abilities to do everything in the game and it's only like throughout the game you get like little hints from the character member said hey have you tried like manualing as you get off uh, the grind rail (laughs) and then it's like oh this is how you continue your combo and uh, yeah that's how you learn to play the game and the advantage of that is you like can restart the game and then just immediately kick everyone's asses in a perfectly natural way because you know how everything works now yeah yeah it does a it does a great job of kind of recontextualizing everything which i guess is like 
is that how fe- people feel good when they when they get better at fighting games? Like your character isn't getting better, you are getting better. Yeah, like you like are not you, getting better weapons and stats. It is literally like, you who are smarter. All the moves are there from the start. You just have to like memorize yeah. stuff from the combo list. Yeah, and that was like that was Tunic last year as well. Mm. Like every you didn't yes. really gain yes, the abilities good in Tunic. Example. Yeah, like who would have thought you like holding down A did something? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's it's not like you gained the ability to do that. You just found a little scrap of a manual that let you know about it, which I think uh, yes. I always find that find that really cool. I also think the best puzzles like are there puzzles in games that you think about when you're not playing the game? Like, hmm. do you do you ever get stuck in something, walk away from it, and then come upon the solution when you're not in front of your monitor? Like, come upon the solution, sitting or eating or drinking. Well, that coffee. was always the case when I was a kid playing point-and-click adventure games because mm. there were no solutions online that you could sneak uh-huh. a look at if you got stuck. So I was all the time I was playing Monkey Island 2, I just had to figure it out. Uh, and there'd be times when I'd be at school and I'd be doing whatever, and I'd suddenly realize, hey, wait, maybe I'm supposed to do this with this when I get yeah. to the thing. And then I'd run home and try it out, and then it wouldn't work and I'd be disappointed. <laughs> I was about to say, if it did work, that'd be amazing. If it didn't, that'd be a bummer. I remember I used to yeah. play text, text adventures on the Commodore 64, and because like the processing power wasn't so great on those, you'd enter a command and there'd be like a few seconds wait before a thing happens. And I used to, I couldn't bear the suspense. I'd be like, is this finally the answer? Is this finally the yeah. answer that I've been looking for all this time? Oh God, I can't look. I have to go into yeah. the other room. Yeah. Also, puzzles shouldn't punish you for experimentation. No. Well, that's what adventure games didn't do, of course. There was always only ever one correct answer to complete the solution, even though there's a lot of stuff that you might think would make sense. Like, you're talking about um, weird logic. Uh, There was a Discworld point-and-click adventure game based on the books by Terry Pratchett. Mm -hmm. And one of the puzzles in that was uh, that you had to block a chimney to fill a house with smoke and get rid of the person who's in there so you can do nasty things. Okay. Uh, but the, and there were huge amounts of random inventory items in that game, and there were a large number of items that one could conceivably block a chimney with, like blankets or just like a bit of wool. Mm-hmm. But the one thing you could actually do, use it, was a stuffed toy uh, shaped like Father Christmas. Oh. And that was that was the puzzle. That was like the weird extra deduction you had to make the connection between sticking Father Christmas down the chimney. Yeah, this is like the one thing that makes sense to go in a chimney as opposed to a blanket or some cotton. Except it didn't really make sense because anything could have blocked the chimney. You just had yeah. like you could have just put a book on there or something. <laughs> it had but because Father Christmas traditionally goes down chimneys, that was the only thing that would work, which is yeah, a whole different thread of logic really. Yeah, that feels like, you know, I think we talk, especially in those, some of those early point-and-click adventure games, we talk about a lot of the times where you're not using logic, you just need to think about how what was the designer thinking that day. Yeah, um, that's the trouble. You really. know, what sort of a joke were they into, whereas, you know, you read stories about how Valve, how much time Valve spends doing QA and, and playtesting and everything, and their own designers realize like oh we spent uh six months on this puzzle assuming everyone is going to do this exact thing but it turns out half the players look in the opposite direction when they enter this room um yep yeah i liked uh, a, a a recent 
viewfinder wasn't a perfect game but its ability to immediately rewind mm. uh like you could double tap the button and you would rewind to right before you t- either took a picture or put the picture in the environment um to me absolutely encouraged experimentation and was like hey there's no wrong answer like if you if you fuck this up well there's there's many wrong answers but like if you do the wrong thing there's no penalty like just immediately go back and we're not going to make you restart the level we're not going to make you sit through a loading screen just double tap this button and we'll rewind right back to where you were that's nice yeah not the first puzzle game to do that of course braid would be the classic example yeah yeah that was uh yeah that was that was braid by by the by Jonathan Blow, of course, who then on you know, went, the then went on to make the witness. Yeah, and then nothing else since then. So uh, yeah, well he, yeah, he's struggling to think of another thing that could encompass his extremely pretentious personality. <laughs> uh, you want to go super chats? We got, Why we got a bunch, not? We got have a bunch of, bunch of comments to, related to them. Plenty to work with. And remember, uh, your donations uh, this month are going towards Nick's annual Spooktober Festival, where Nick is going to play through a series of uh, of spooky games uh, in um, honor of Halloween with various um, guests. Brick his pants. He's going to uh, brick his pants. So stop me if this isn't the first one, but Amayasa is the first uh, one I've got. Yeah, we had Pinky uh, in bonus content beforehand, uh, but no message. Welcome, Pinky. But Ammer was the next one. Yeah. Okay, 25 AED. Arab Emirates uh, Duran, I think. She says, We need more very short games like One Day Better or Death Trips on itch.io. This game type are the only ones I enjoy anymore besides games by Rockstar. Well, as you know, I would, cer- would certainly appreciate more short games because it means I can have more free time in the week. But wait, the, the only games you enjoy are the very short ones and then the massive open world games? Yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a spectrum <laughs> between those two. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not familiar with uh, One Day Better or Death Trips, um, so I don't know if you mean short like these games are 45 seconds long, or short as in like two hours. But there's a decent amount of of nice like single sitting uh, stuff, like a, a short hike uh, before your eyes. Even Ober didn't didn't feel that long, was it? No, well, no, if you were smart, you like savored it. That's what I said in my yeah. review. Like you're you're gonna really like this game, but. Uh, it has absolutely no replay value because it's a puzzle yeah. with fixed answers. So try to yeah. savor it. Play it like for one hour a night. That's tough though. When something's good, that's that's I tough know. to do. I know. I certainly didn't. I wish yeah. I had. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Jamie Ford Tough, welcome to the tip jar. No comments though. No, and, and then early access. And then upgrade the membership to early access. Alright then. Do you think Ford Tough, that's the model for Ford trucks? Do you think Jamie created the Ford truck because they are Ford Tough? Yes. Incredible. He, he is well, well, 200 years old. <laughs> uh first name i don't know how to pronounce lima gives 27.90 r dollars and says long time listener first time getting it live thanks for all the amazing content gents 
That was their Thank first you. super chat. Probably Thank their last so because I Those disrespected are... their first name. Brazilian Real. Okay. I mean, you could take a stab at it if you want. Uh, Joa? Joa? Joao. 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 Yeah, I think A-O is ow, so Joao. Joao. But what's the little squiggly line over the A uh, signify? It means uh, Joao's having a good day. Well, then good to hear, Joao. If you have Umu, you're having a bad day. If you have the squiggly line, you're having a good day. I got the squiggly lines. Uh, oh, so I was no. on the toilet for th- half an hour this morning. <laughs> <clears throat> Potato Hermit gives 250-somethings and says, It makes me feel really smart when an RPG has depth of customization that allows me to intuit a game-breaking build. Ideally, near the end or post-game, just so it doesn't trivialize the bulk of it. It's hard to intuit uh, when you're first making a character in a sure. lot of games because uh, you're often asked to select stats without having the first clue what any of them do. Yeah, that's why I, th- I hear stories about a lot of people recently who, who got 15, 20 hours into Baldur's Gate or Starfield and then just restarted. And mm. was like, or even Elden Ring, you hear those stories. And you're like, listen, I'm just going to restart because yeah. now that I have a solid foundation for how I want to play this game, I want to get off on the right foot as opposed to sort of banging my head against the wall for 10 hours. Oh, fucking lies of P, which is another thing that's going to come up this week in Zero Punctuation. Asian. How, you, how do you intuit what the fuck the stats in that game mean? Would you want to, which uh, stat would you like to increase, Marty? Your motivity, your technique, or your advance? My motivity? Yeah. What's motivity? I don't even know I, what motivity is. I don't know. Also, <laughs> also uh, make sure you up your stat that increases your Fable and Legion scores. Oh, yeah. No, I like having a big Fable score. Why didn't they just call it Mana? We all know what that means. I, I, I agree. I don't know. Uh, John Connor gives two Canadian dollars and says, Titan Souls has puzzle-based bosses in real time. Did you ever play that, Titan Souls? Uh, yeah, yeah. That was the, uh, the Death's Door crew before they did Death's Door. That was it's where a, you... Uh, it's, it's a jolly like interesting game. Puzzle. Yes, it's like Shadow of the Colossus, except every boss dies in one hit. You, uh, yeah. I mean, they could have called that game one. Uh, yeah. you die in one hit the enemy dies in one hit you have one arrow and one chance to hit them yeah and you just have to figure it out yeah which is interesting like that's a you know for a for a relatively smaller game i think that's an interesting um yeah, yeah. Interesting uh doran grossman naples gives five dollars and says yahtzee and marty sitting in a tree t-a-l-k-i-n-g Ah, oh, that's what we're doing. Yes, we're not in a tree, but we're talk. We're talking. How uh, well characterized! Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Dorian. And then Fungus Finder gives five dollars and says, "BG three made me feel smart when I beat a fight with silly mechanics, much like D and D itself. I think TTRPGing is likely the pinnacle of feeling clever." I, think well, I good, certainly do feel smug up. when Jack lets me get away with some bullshit scheme, like not the. Event, episode of Adventure is Nigh that's currently available to members, but the one after it. I think that has some of the most classic bullshit scheming in the entire history of Adventure is Nigh. Uh, There's a very um, bullshit scheme that pays off in that one, so we can get out of having a fight. 
apparently that one is so long that it might need to be chopped in two. Oh, well, I don't think there's any good chopping point thinking about it. <laughs> apparently the first cut of it was two and a half hours. I'm very proud of the bullshit scheming we all that's unfolded in the course of that episode. <laughs> you should all check it out. Do you feel like the bullshit scheming uh, was enhanced by all being uh, all being together in the same place? I suppose so. In that, that was sort of enhancing the whole experience. Yeah, and then I could enjoy Jesse's uh, uh, like increasingly disbelieving expression as I recounted my scheme. Uh, Bajango gives $5 and says, I would like a series of Marty and Casey complete to keep talking and nobody explodes on my desk tomorrow. Chop, chop. Well, perhaps oh, you'd like no. to donate for it, Bajango. <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're a good, we're a good portal crew. It made me feel good because we, we communicate very well in portal. And then I watched on Saturday, Casey, Will and Frost played Trine five, three player oh, co-op. Right. Yeah. They were just screaming at each other the whole time. And so I was like, <laughs> okay, I feel good that Casey, Casey and I make a, make a good healthy team compared to the three of them. Oh. Remember Trine? I feel like Trine I, was like really, like a really neat game. And then they made five of them. Yeah. The developers certainly seem to be uh, trying to keep that party train going. As yeah, long I don't, as they I can. don't hear a lot of people a lot of people talking about trying. I don't Casey liked the fifth one, but yeah. It's a kind of it's another kind of puzzle in that you don't see so much these days. It's sort of uh almost lemmings like uh puzzler where you just got a bunch of uh characters under your control. Yeah. You have to yeah. assign them uh, roles in the solution of the puzzle. PJ Doolin, member for 10 months in early access, says, did you guys ever play The Neverhood or Army Krog? I know of The Neverhood. I never played it, and I don't know what the other thing you mentioned was uh, at all. Uh, Army Krog was from one of the creators of Earthworm Jim, and it looked like a claymation game. Uh, I never I never played it, but it almost looked like a uh, like claymation odd world. You know, you could be describing The Neverhood at this point. Maybe they're both made by the same people. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I never, never played them because I was never a big. Uh, I was, I was never a big uh, Earthworm Jim or Oddworld fan. Hmm. Well, the developer of Earthworm Jim went on to make MDK. If you're more into that, I don't think anyone's into that, are they? Oh. I don't think anyone wants MDK. I remember liking the first game when it came out. It was a big deal. Franchise powerhouse now. No, not quite. Uh, Gildon Yetich gives $5 and says, I figured out what Andrea in Starfield was about five conversations before the reveal, but I'm not sure if that's being smart or clumsy foreshadowing. Oh, spoiler alert, Gildon Yetich. Now everyone's going to know that Andrea is something. I, th- I thought Andrea was a person in this sentence. Is Andrea not a person in this sentence? I assume as much. I mean, I... Yeah. Don't think I got to whatever reveal he's talking about, but uh, <laughs> I didn't smell any rats about her. Do you? Uh, in that, I didn't really take any interest in any of the characters in uh, Starfield. Do you get any? Um, is it like a similar flavor of satisfaction if you solve sort of a a twist before it happens, like a narrative twist? Say, even when you're reading books or you're watching movies. I suppose. Predict the yeah. plot twist. But it does sort of yeah. uh, create a sense of contempt for the author once the twist is unveiled. And you're like, yeah, I know. It was so really the, bloody obvious. 
so why, why why do you think there's a sense of contempt there whereas if you solve a tricky puzzle in a game you're not like you motherfucker tried to put a roadblock in front of me but you couldn't stop me like i don't know i, I suppose when you solve a puzzle in a game you give them like a, a polite golf clap well i suppose i'd give the same polite golf clap if uh there was a twist i didn't see coming i'd be like gotcha, oh yeah. that's a that's a clever reveal well done darth okay. vader is luke's father my goodness okay. who could possibly have seen that coming well I, done I, sir i have the privilege i'm sure i'm one of the very few people who was able to watch fight club without having had the ending spoiled for me yeah that's, i that's... remember watching that film and going oh what an excellent twist now i will have to watch through the rest of the film to see the clues a well a well landed blow good sir mm-hmm. you know terminator 2 yes if you've, you've noticed when you watch that that um if you didn't know arnie's the good guy now and robert patrick's the bad guy the 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 film doesn't give that away until the yeah. point where they all meet. He yells, get down. Yeah, yeah. and he, he pulls the gun out of the flower box and you think he's going to shoot the kid and he yells, get down. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure like the original trailers were t- like Terminator 2 gave away immediately that Arnie was the good guy. I'm wondering yeah. if there's anyone in the world who watched Terminator 2 without knowing that Arnie was the good guy now. Yeah, and especially you watch the first movie, you're like, oh God, this guy's back. This guy's back and he's going to kill this kid. And then you get to the moment where you're like, that would be a major twist. Yeah, like you'd 20, probably be really impressed. Movie. Yeah, yeah. There was a time when filmmakers gave a shit about that kind of thing. Alfred Hitchcock reportedly was very, very annoyed at the thought of people giving away his plot twist. Like he'd yeah. come out to the cinema and say, don't you assholes give away this twist for the people. This is, yeah, yeah. This is like half the fun. <clears throat> old hunter 77 gives five dollars and says might there be less of an incentive to design clever puzzles knowing that we can just look up solutions on the internet guides walkthroughs etc yeah i mean uh well hmm. see with a lot of games like Oberdin, i don't want to look up the uh, solutions on the internet because yeah the the whole reason we're in here is to be able to be satisfied with our own cleverness yeah, if if I'm at a point where I'm looking up the solution to the puzzles, that's to me that's like you've failed. Yeah, yeah, that's on the duty. game. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten to a frustrating point where I'm like, okay, you you haven't deserve you don't deserve any more of my time of thinking about this. Um, yeah. But if a, if the puzzles are good, like I, I never want to touch a touch a walkthrough. No, not with Oberdin because it would be over yeah. so much quicker. Yeah, and it, like what would the I mean, I guess there's still satisfaction in the existing in the space and the the, the, no. the writing and the scenarios, but yeah, not, I think the, the moments the of aha or why yeah. I was why I was there. Aha moments. It'd be nice if someone could like procedurally generate like uh, a game like Oberdin, so you could always have that aha moment every time. I told you yeah. about my new game idea, didn't I? Uh, yeah, that sounded great. Like. You just got to finish this first game. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to like try not to get distracted by it while I'm wrapping up Starstruck Vagabond, which is yeah. perilously close to being finished now. But yes, oh. I have an idea for a procedurally generated deductive style puzzle game, which I guess Consuming Shadow was as well, but not in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dylan Fletcher gives 4 99 and says, what is your all-time favorite Columbo episode? I feel I've, I've oh. asked me that before, and I will give the same answer. Uh, the one where Donald Pleasance is a wine merchant. Love Donald Pleasance. Never seen that episode, but I love Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance is always good value. He was great. I wish like he'd valued himself there. more 
uh, so that his last film role wasn't Halloween 6. <laughs> Halloween 1's really good. Yeah, yeah. He's really good in it. Yeah. I don't know why he kept coming back. Paychecks. Like, well, someone's got to create continuity in this shitty yeah. horror film <laughs> series. Uh, Potato Hermit, member for One Month in Early Access, says thanks for the great content as always, gents. Thank you, Potato Hermit. Thank you. Ah, oh, here's a puzzler. Evil British guy gives one pound because he's evil, you see. So a only, rare one pounder. He could only pony up a single solitary pound. And then it he says message retracted. Then, yeah, then he retracted his message. And, and then his, he has another one below it and it's a tra- retra- uh, retracted as well. Uh, that was his first super chat as well. What a mysterious evil British guy. Oh, wait, he comes back, though. He comes back a little bit later. As a okay, twist. okay. well, let's uh, get to that Same. when we get to that. Yeah. Camja Ninja gives $5 and says, Techno Babylon avoided the moon logic trap by grounding its puzzles in actual science, which made me feel the game was smart and me very uneducated. Techno I don't know Babylon. that game at all. Neither do I. But Oberdin yeah. sort of did that. There was aspects of Oberdin that you had to use general knowledge to figure stuff out. Like, uh, sure. uh, of history. Is, yeah, like a dude covered in tattoos would be a Pacific Islander. Yeah, yeah. Um, Techno Babylon was uh, a, a Wadget Eye Games published uh, what looks like a point-and-click adventure game. Oh, Wadget Eye. The um, uh, Dave Gibbons, is it? No. Oh, one of the old, uh, one of the older like adventure game gurus. He's the uh, yeah, Gilbert. Black Dave Holmes Gilbert. Adventure. Yeah. Dave Gilbert. Yeah. Uh, well, no, the old. Are we, is that Dave no. Grossman? <sighs> okay, we're is all Dave getting Grossman? confused now. Ron Gilbert was one like an old school adventure game dude who made like yeah, uh, Maniac Mansion stuff. Yeah, and all yeah. that. Dave Gilbert was like an adventure game designer from the uh, adventure game studio crowd, who made games like Unavowed and uh shit like that okay i think he's wadget eye games i think wadget eye games is dave gilbert i think you're right and then dave grossman is someone else entirely from (laughs) was wrote a bunch of stuff at telltale (laughs) also everyone's names are confused everyone just needs new names that's that's how we saw being called gilbert or dave it's confusing (laughs) uh fusionator member for three months in early access says survival games like don't starve do this for me kai I don't. Do you? I'm not able to to match the tempo of a lot of survival games, personally. Yeah, I'm kind of bored of that kind of thing. Yeah, like even at the time, like I I understand their appeal, but um, I don't know. Like I have a hard enough time keeping myself alive, let alone keeping like a little little video game character alive. I, mean, I had a Tamagotchi whole, as yeah. a kid and it died, and I felt bad. The whole appeal of crafting recipes is kind of lost on me at this point. Yeah. It's really just buying stuff with multiple different currencies. Anyway, Robert Johnson, member for two months in credit, says, Definitely a double-edged sword. One man's fun puzzle is another man's garment-rending game stopper. A game doesn't mm-hmm. endear itself well if it makes you feel like a wally. Also, ply, ply, track, track, doint. Ply, ply, track, track, doint. What was that? It's a reference to my Galaxy for Food books and oh. the made-up swear words I use in in those. It was very confusing. Yes, well, that's the knife edge you have to walk making a puzzle game. It can't be too obvious or you won't feel clever, but it can't mm-hmm. be too obscure or not enough people will get it. 
the Goldilocks effect. Yeah, kind of every and of course everyone's got different levels of intelligence, so mm-hmm. it's gonna you're gonna bounce off some people. Okay, evil British guy comes back with one pound, and then finally has a comment underneath that that says something I've been wondering is how many games or puzzles there are that focus on teaching or letting players practice emotional intelligence. The only one that comes to mind at the moment is poker. Poker, like the card game. I guess emotional intelligence i mean that's if we're talking about like lying isn't that like among us and yeah those sort of social well, deduction games yeah social deduction and i always think yeah. of la noir because the whole premise of that game was that it had all that incredibly expensive facial capture tech because you were supposed to be trying to deduce whether someone was lying from the look on their face yeah which is really cool in theory in, in theory, yes, but unfortunately, in execution. I mean, they were all acting, so they were yeah. always lying. So you just had to figure out when they were deliberately acting badly. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Yeah, that's kind of the part, the the tough aspect of a, um, like when you think of what a detective does, mm. uh, that's a tough aspect to... Uh, gamify? Emulate, to gamify, yeah, yeah. yeah. Arms and Legs gives five Canadian dollars. It says, missed last week's. Wanted to bring up Far Cry 2 on amazing game maps. Ever since Far Cry 3, they dropped it. Really sad. Yeah, didn't you have like a GPS? You had like a map and a GPS and you had to use yeah. them in unison. Yeah, you had to hold it over your steering wheel while you were driving like a very irresponsible person. <laughs> and that was their first super chat. Thanks, Arms and Legs. Thanks, Arms and Legs. I hope you don't cost... Uh, an exorbitant amount arms and legs i hope you don't get malaria i think that's what you have in far cry 2 oh okay i also hope you don't get malaria just in general because that seems like it would be bad well it seems uh weirdly specific that you would wish that yeah i I hope no one in chat gets malaria that's my wish for the day i hope none of them get any diseases at all what's wrong with you no i hope you get fucking cooties that's what i hope you get the kissing disease because you're doing so much kissing on the side Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> well, I've got a cold, and I've got a cold because my uh, kids both had a cold and they kept persistently oh. blowing raspberries at me. That's like chemical warfare. That's yeah. germ warfare. What are they doing? They, they're, at this, they're at some kind of stage where, like, just... Because one of them's still mostly pre-verbal, but they do enjoy blowing raspberries at each other as a form of communication, I suppose. That's good. That's the most. Uh, that's the most advanced form of communication that matters to me. Uh, John Connor gives two Canadian dollars. And says, "Brick your pants." Kind of sounds like a stiffy joke. Well, maybe if you're into that, John Connor. No, does it What? I just. No, it's, I just it sounds say, like shit yourself. Yeah, I just say brick yourself to mean. Yeah. You know, produce a large brick of feces in your underpants. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't go to Stiffy Town. <clears throat> you know, who is going to go to Stiffy Town? Everyone with all their kissing is going to go to Stiffy Town. Well, not uh, while they're analysing their cootie infection. 
Robert Johnson gives five Canadian dollars and says, there's a one-story house in which everything is yellow. Yellow walls, yellow doors, yellow furniture. What colour are the stairs? Well, there There's are no stairs. stairs. It's a one-story one house. One-story house. Get the fuck out of here trying to trick us. You can't Fucking do that. Robert Johnson. I mean, that, oh, my God. Those sorts of riddles are a lot easier if they're all written out in front of you. And you can look at, you can go yeah. back over the text as much as you like. Yeah. Sorry we yelled at you as well, Robert Johnson. You didn't deserve that. I'm not sorry. I think your riddle was very nice. Uh, Pirate Captain Jack gives $5 and says, Spoiler alert, so tuck live oysters into your eye sockets. What about the puzzle in Silent Hill 4 about the trowel in the woods? Go between the room and woods. Okay, Uh, this needs some uh, elaboration. So there's a puzzle in Silent Hill 4 where you're in the woods and there's like a central area and then there's like a forested path that leads to another place where you pick up a trowel mm-hmm. and if you if you're holding that trowel uh, then as you try to walk back to the central area uh, then the woods keep repeating themselves okay got it so like, as long as you got the trowel you can never get back to the central area okay but if uh, both the central area and the place where you found the trowel has a warp point back to your hub base Okay. So if you go to the warp point, put the trowel in your inventory box that's in your base, then warp back to the uh, to the uh, game, gotcha. and then go to the central area, and then go back to your hub base and get the trowel back from your item box, then you get to keep it. That's clever. So you have to exploit the established game mechanics to get past the barrier. That's clever. I guess. About as clever as the game gets. I didn't realize. I don't, I don't remember Silent Hill Four. It has like an, like a like a Resident Evil item box. Does it have like a limited inventory? Uh, well, it's not limited. You have an item box where you can that you can put with all. Oh, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. Yes, you have an item box because you have a very limited inventory that you can take around the place on your person. Okay, gotcha, and gotcha. It's kind of dumb as well because uh, uh, a chainsaw takes up exactly about the same amount of space as 10 bullets yeah or a key i mean that's yeah. resident evil logic right like and there's the, a handgun and a key and then they're the same size and there's no ammo stacking if you wanted more than 10 bullets you had to use up two inventory slots mm-hmm. it was dumb robert johnson gives five dollars and oh man he's really got his children's book of riddles out for this one hasn't yeah, he just solved this one i'm proud of us Two fathers and two sons are in a car that there are only three people in the car. How is this possible? Because it was three generations, wasn't it? There was a son, a father, and a grandfather. Two of whom were fathers and two of whom were sons. Holy shit. That was really good. Get out of here with that scrub riddle shit, Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson, keep him coming. That just wrinkled my brain. Uh, Zaratha gives five R dollars. And says the squiggly line in Portuguese makes the tonic vowel be more bass and nasal. Should sound like shuau. Remember, bass and nasal owl. Dot br- dot br. I think every word ever should be spelled phonetically. Nasal, eh? <laughs> 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 Uh, Fusionator gives four ninety nine and says, "I think the age of theories is making good twists harder to write in a way that satisfies the audience, at least for TV shows. Possibly, yeah. but you know uh, what I would hate 
is to be the kind of person who sees that the audience has predicted their upcoming twist and thinks and tries to think of a way to change it so that uh, it's still a twist yeah yeah i think you know give people the win like uh there have been twists in my ongoing work that i've seen some people have figured out and uh, i'm not going to change the twist because of that i'm just like ah fair enough well done smart person yeah it is funny though how there's like an entire cottage industry of uh a trailer or a screenshot or a description of something goes out and then people try to absolutely analyze and dissect every inch of it they try to freeze frame a trailer to figure out well you got to, you got to get the youtube views in somehow put a big red arrow pointing at something and then a question mark speculate speculate things. thumbnail of some person looking surprised rhetorical question well. in the video title etc uh jedi games gives five dollars but no comment. Dun, and then dun, Renver, dun. member for 38 months in early access, who says, There is no game, has some of my favorite puzzles. Did you play There Is No Game? Yeah, briefly. It's one of them browser games, right? It, I believe it started as a browser game, and I, I played it on Switch, um, but it's a very fourth wall breaking. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sort of one of those uh, logical progressions of those old Flash things that was like, Don't press the button. Yeah, yeah. Kind of breaks the rules of, of you know, you do point-and-click adventure inventory puzzles, but you need to use the UI to your advantage and yeah. move things off of the screen and bring them back. Uh, Andre Driem gives $20 R and says, I think predicting the plot twist is more rewarding if you don't predict it too early in the plot. There is a rewarding sensation if you become involved in it enough to see where things are going. Okay. I mean, I think I think well, plot twist is good if you. I mean the the idea is that you come to your revelation, or I guess like the hope is that you come to the revelation simultaneously with the character, right? Is you're watching the yeah. Sixth Sense, and you and Bruce Willis both come to the same re- revelation at the same point. I think it was something like Silent Hill Two. I mean, you could sort of immediately guess at where the plot's going from, like the initial setup. Yeah, uh, like grieving man is looking for. Uh, the wife he believes is dead you can mm-hmm. sort of like have an idea in your head of uh, one of the most likely outcomes is going to be but you, that, it sort of drifts out of your mind as you go through the course of the game because you're getting distracted by all the violence and horror and weird imagery so when it comes yeah. back in the end you're like oh shit I hadn't yeah, even been yeah. thinking about that and it turns out I was right mm-hmm. and it, still, it, and it also- can still be satisfying when that happens it's also i feel like that sort of twist is more i feel like we're more tuned into the idea of that now than maybe we would have been if we played it back in 2001 also the ps2 in 2001 like the f- holiday season 2001 ps2 you had silent hill 2 eco final fantasy 10 metal gear solid sons of liberty jack daxter what a what a fall holy spokes a lot of games there you go skeller boy three 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 nine one one with two dollars and more children's riddles from their children's riddle book what's a seven letter word that holds every letter mailbox skeller boy three 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 nine one one oh shit get i thought out it was the alphabet get out of here letters. yes it's eight letters i would have got that wrong dumb old skeller boy with his dumb 
kitty riddles. Gilmore, you got me? Someone give me a clever riddle. Oh, no. Jackson Jewell, member for 15 months in early access, says Yahtzee's children committing war crimes. Well, I'd be fine with that if they just went to bed consistently. (laughs) You'll take the cold if you can just get a full night's sleep. Uh, Wesley Thomas gives uh, two Canadian dollars and says, off topic, how do you guys feel about unity? Uh, Well, um, I suppose I look up from my Game Maker project and go, huh, what's everyone getting so angry about over there? And then I look down again. Yeah, that's uh, that's such a clusterfuck that they keep going back on. And even if they completely reverse every single decision, I feel like you've lost a lot of developer trust there. Unity, you stepped in it. Why does this keep the- happening? Why does it keep happening with like shitty CEOs uh, try to enforce some incredibly shitty money-making scheme and then uh, uh, not because they're evil but because they're really dumb? Rich people are genuinely out of touch with how reality works and with As- how every other person exists in reality. Another symptom of late-stage capitalism, I fear. Diggy. Uh, and Fungus Finder gives two dollars and says, "Puzzler, what bodily dysfunction is fake fake? Uh, is it Parkinson's when you've got a lisp?" I don't get it. What's fake fake? I don't know what they're on about. I'm gonna Google fake fake. Okay. Uh, oh, Robert Johnson comes back with twenty Canadian dollars and says, "You guys aren't always such good sports. Lots of love." I'm always a good sport. I love sports. Is that what you Football, call it? Sport? I call it sport if there was any challenge involved in your pathetic riddles, Robert Johnson. Baseball. Bowling. I'm just naming sports now. I still don't understand what fake fake means. Lacrosse. Lacrosse is a sport. It is. It's also a city in Wisconsin, which makes me confused. When people say lacrosse, I think of the beautiful lacrosse of South Central Wisconsin, which is probably what most people think of. Okay, Fungus Finder gives five dollars and says a tree is behind six gates. Each gate has a guard that takes half your fruit and returns one to you. How many fruits do you pick to get back with fruit? Oh, that's maths, Fungus Finder. That's not fun riddles. Uh, You you should ask my wife. She's like a maths graduate. She likes maths riddles. I feel like if I had had a pen and paper, I could do it. Or there is no fruit. Or it's fake, fake. Yeah, it's fake, fake. That's the answer now. Uh, Liam Omega gives $5 and says... Hi guys, been a fan for a long time. Keep up the great work. Also, how do you feel about the upcoming Persona 3 Reload? I'm really excited. Thanks for asking, Liam. We're both really excited to it and we're really looking forward to playing games. And we both like remakes because it allows a new generation of players to experience the joy of an old game. Do we now? Oh, well, you know, another way you could allow a new generation of players to experience an old game. How's that? Just let them play the old game for fuck's sake. that as well we're also excited for bloober team's remake of the hit game silent hill 2 well now you're just trying to get a rise out of me what if it's good well then uh it won't be good it won't be good. It probably well, won't be good. i guess i'll be somewhat discombobulated and i will go my goodness what a complete breakage of pattern 
I suppose I'll be angry in the same way I've been angry about the One Piece live action adaptation being apparently good by some accounts. It is good. You know who else likes it? Jack Packard. We got another one. Yeah, that makes me angry because it's it's an anomaly. It defies the precedent of uh, live action remakes of cartoons and it's going to ensure we keep getting the fucking things. Yes. What a time to be alive. So, yes. Even if the Silent Hill 2 remake is good, it will still make me cross. <clears throat> Captain Ninja gives $5 and says, Oh, you must play Techno Babylon. Slightly camp air to that uh, phrase, Captain Ninja. Uh-huh. Some, some dollars to buy and play it at a speculative future or pocket reality when your free time is not hypothetical. Probably costs more than $5. They should make a game called Techno Baby Lion. Techno Baby Lion? Lion. Yeah. Um, they could play it? it for hidden gems. It would be technically a hidden gem. Well, I suppose it would be. Is it called a Techno Baby Lion because that's its favorite genre of music? It is. It takes. It, it puts in a pacifier, it pops molly, and it just dances all night with, a, with glow sticks. Pops molly? Yeah, Molly. Wow, wow, you're really down with the kids, aren't you? I am, yeah. The way you pronounce that, it was... Party drugs. Yes, it's very awkward. John Connor gives five Canadian dollars and says, If Jesus walked into a beauty salon, I doubt he'd want lashes or nails done. Not a puzzle, just a giggle. That was lashes and nails, I get it, I get it. Very, very droll, John Connor. From the crucifixion, I get it, I understand. Uh, Robert Johnson gives five Canadians and says, Mother of all brackets, I meant to say, you are good sports, plying autocorrect. Mother of all brackets. That's more Galaxies of Food swears. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Sometimes I don't know if there's just things I don't know if they're things that uh, you created. Yes, people do like to tease you with those. Sometimes it can be both, yeah. Uh, Excuse me. Wesley Thomas gives two Canadian dollars and says, what have I got in my pocket? Open brackets, you'll never guess, fails to close brackets. Wasn't that, uh, that's how Bilbo Baggins tricked uh, Gollum in The Hobbit. That shit wouldn't fly in any coding language I'm aware of, Wesley Thomas. You're like, where's the close parentheses, idiot? We ain't compiling this game till you sort that out. Oh, I thought you meant the, the riddle of guess what's in my pocket, because Gollum should have just murdered Bilbo there. He should have just caved his head in. Hey, they agreed to a riddle contest. He was bound not by a the riddle, rules. though. That's a fucking go- That's a goof. That's a goof. That's not a riddle. That's like well, fake fake. That doesn't even well, make sense. You haven't, well, to, to bring it back to puzzles, you haven't created the rule set and taught us the rule set in order to use those tools. To solve look, the, the dude lived in a cave eating fish for 400 years. I'm surprised he even knew what a riddle was. Yeah, probably did. He probably did a bunch of weird cave cranking as well. A little sick, little pervert. Yes. Uh, yeah, aloof alpaca. Aloof alpaca's here. Yeah, he shows up with five dollars, which isn't very aloof of him. And says, "Hi, Artsy and Marty, long time listener, first time catching the podcast live. Don't have anything to add to the topic. Just wanted to say hi." Aloof alpaca, welcome and thank you so much. Well, that's a weird note to end on, but uh, that was the last Super Chat. Yay! Yay! Thank you for listening to Slightly Something Else, the weekly podcast where we talk shit. And then talk shit about people giving us money. That's that's 100% what we do. So, 
coming up this week on The Escapist. Uh, my usual zero punctuation that's coming out uh, for everyone publicly is... Uh, which one was it? Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, yes. Correct. But the one that's coming out for members, it will be an indie double bill. I'll give you a clue. One of them's Chance of Zenar, and the other one's Lies of P. Oh, I guess that wasn't much of a clue, was it? That, that was, was just a, flat out saying was, what it was. Yeah, that was a that was a quick puzzle where you just got to hit the two switches to open the door. Yeah, I was going to say they both involve uh, some method of communication of some made up word. There you go. Uh, what else have we got coming up on the Escapist this week, Marty? Uh, later today we have uh, hidden gems. Uh, Forgive me, Father, which is like a spooky Lovecraftian. Oh yeah, um, I've played that shooter from a little while ago. Yeah, so I'll be playing that. Uh, Nick is out in uh, in Iceland premiering the Eve documentary, uh, and so um, most of the streams yeah. should be continuing normally. I think Jack might be streaming something in Nick's slot tomorrow. Nick's Dark Souls slot. So tune Nick in for was that. really looking forward to going back to Iceland. I mean, when he, he came back after the first time, he was like, I'm going to retire there someday. I asked him, is there a bar or restaurant you're exhorted, you're excited to visit? And he said, uh, the American bar. <laughs> Although he said there's pictures, there's like NASCAR and Ronald Reagan shit everywhere, which made me laugh. And I'm like, okay, I'd want to go to this American bar as well. That sounds very dumb. Yes, we know there's one more super chat, but we're in the middle of like wrapping up. So we need to finish wrapping up first. Jesus. Robert Judson, how could you? After all those riddles, how could you? Um, so yeah, and all the all the normal streams, and then uh, check out uh, Frost's latest episode of uh, The Stuff of Legends went up this morning on uh, the great uh, World of Warcraft funeral that went awry, which is a story some of you might know, but the video uh, uh, did an excellent job of telling that story, so go check that out. Oh yes, that old chestnut. Yeah. Oh, and I've got uh, extra punctuation dropping for everyone on Thursday. And, of course, Adventure is Nigh. A new episode currently available to members and mm-hmm. will be going out for everyone on Saturday. Absolutely. Okay, then. Let's read the super chat you're all so excited about. We have two of them now. Oh, Doran God, Grossman lying. Naples gives $20 and says, A year after being rescued from a ship adrift at sea, a sailor visits a restaurant atop a cliff with a gorgeous ocean view. He orders the albatross soup, he takes a single bite, then walks to the edge and jumps. Why? This is one of those dumb riddles where there's some important piece of information they haven't told you, isn't it? And there's there's literally no way of intuiting it. Yeah. I don't know. He decided he wanted to kill himself because uh, the albatross soup was really nice. Drift at sea, the sailor visits the restaurant on the top of the gorgeous view. He orders albatross soup, takes a single bite, then walks to the edge and jumps off. I feel like I've heard this one. He, uh, I feel like he left out some some details, but it makes sense. He was adrift at sea with other people, and they had to resort to cannibalism or something. Uh-huh. And he took a single bite and realized that in the restaurant, it's cannibal, it's it's humans. Um, Does that make sense? Okay, how about no, this? That doesn't make sense. Uh, someone gave him like a soup that he that uh, he was told was albatross soup, but was actually human soup. 
and he'd always suspected in the back of his mind that it might have actually been human soup. But when he got That's to a I restaurant and tasted actual albatross soup and realised it didn't taste anything like what he'd been given earlier oh, as albatross soup, and he realised he'd eaten humans, he, that, that's, he jumped off and died. It doesn't matter if that's not even the right answer. That's the correct answer now. It's a the dumb as hell answer if it is the correct answer. It's, what, it's a Shyamalan twist. That's what it is. Oh, oh no. Liam Venencia, where did your message go? Apparently that was it. That is That was a very dumb riddle. I thought it was great. We solved it. We solved it using... I was speaking as someone who solved it and therefore couldn't be accused of being bitter at out, being outsmarted. That's a very dumb riddle. I thought you were going to say as speaking as someone who's accidentally eaten human before. Uh, who knows? Who's to say that uh, we all haven't accidentally eaten human? How do we... Can we seriously trust what they put in pork pies these days? Think about it. Can we trust it? Anyway... Uh, Liam Valencia gives five pounds and uh, retracts his message. What a what Liam. a sook! Liam, uh, there was a message, and I feel like I read it, and then I don't know where it went, and I don't I don't remember it. So, rip. All right. Well, that'll be it from us then. Yeah, I'll want to see some cleverer riddles next time. You crap outs. You crap outs. I love my I love these riddles. Well done, everybody. Your riddles are very good. It was one of those riddles that Carl Pilgerton used to really annoy Ricky Gervais with. Ricky, on the podcast, yeah. Yeah, because he never really understood them. <laughs> anyway, time to go. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Have a good rest of your day. Here's a small, adorable dog. He's going for a walk now. Dogs, dogs, dogs. Bye.